Hello, my name is Chris Pollock. I'm one of the pastors of the 8th Street Church in Oklahoma City, and I want to welcome you to This Week in the Way of Jesus. As a church, we're currently in a sermon series called The Generous Life. Every week in worship, we say these words together. Because Jesus has been the very best neighbor to us, we want to be good neighbors to one another. So we gather here to tell this truth. Our lives are better when we are neighbors. This statement forces us to realize that we didn't get here on our own. We were no friend of God. In fact, in his letter to the Ephesians, St. Paul says we were once enemies of God. We didn't know God or any God worthy of the name. But our confession every week is that something happened in human history that transformed us. In the person of Jesus Christ, God has reconciled and is reconciling the world unto himself. Our adoption as sons and daughters of this God has now been made complete. We belong to God and we belong to one another. How did all of this happen? Paul says it happened because of cards. So this week, we are inviting you into the spiritual practice of making a chorus. Kingdom is coming. We are praying for it. The kingdom is coming. We are waiting for it. The kingdom is coming. We are working for it. The kingdom is coming. Hear the word of the Lord from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be. You have loved us. You have loved us all. You have loved us all, so we love all. Chorus changes everything. Chorus is a Greek word that we have translated to the word grace, and we say grace means unmerited favor. But so much gets lost in translation. Chorus, or grace, means gift. But this is an unearned, unasked-for gift that is freely given. In other words, it's not putting someone in your debt. To tell the truth, sometimes I give gifts, opportunities, compliments, time to others with the expectation that when my turn comes and I need or I want one of those things, the person owes me. But when gifts come with expectations, it ceases being a gift. But grace, charis, is even more than giving a gift. Charis also means forgiveness. When you forgive someone, you are releasing them from the debt they owe you. When someone hurts me inadvertently or on purpose, 
It's only fair that I repay them. I mean, an eye for an eye, right? That seems biblical. But that is not charis. Charis is the giving of the gift of release. But there is a third definition of charis, and that is generosity. Charis is a gift giving, a tangible gift, usually monetary, as an act of gratitude with nothing expected in return and simply allowing the joy of giving to be the gift received in return. One day, a woman who came upon some unexpected resources said to me, I love giving away money. And then she started to cry. I wish everyone could know the feeling that generosity. You have blessed us. You have blessed us all. You have blessed us all. So we bless all. Thank you for Christ and cross through us till one we thank you for making peace through us you Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthians because he has been on a fundraising tour. While he was their pastor, they all heard that the church in Jerusalem, the place where it had all begun, were underwater because they didn't have enough resources to take care of all the needs in their community, widows, orphans, food insecurity issues. The leaders were wearing out and the money was running dry. So Paul left the fairly well-to-do Corinthian church to collect money from other churches. But before he left, the Corinthians agreed that they wanted to help. So they decided to set a little bit aside each week so that when Paul returned, they would be able to chorus or grace this poor group of people with the resources they needed. A year had passed, however, and the people of the Corinthian church, because of Paul's absence, started at one another. They began to bicker and argue and disagree and take sides. Before long, they were fighting over everything, clutching the cash in their fists rather than holding that cash with open hands. But north of the Corinthian church, a small group of churches in a region called Macedonia were severely persecuted and incredibly poor, heard what Paul was doing, and they wanted to get in on the game. So even in their poverty, under heavy persecution, they said they experienced such incredible charis from God. In other words, because Jesus had been such an incredibly good neighbor to them, they wanted to be good neighbors to those in need. So those churches in Macedonia gladly and sacrificially received an offering to send to the others in need. And that is when Paul introduced gospel economics to the Corinthians. Fiscal responsibility says this, getting out of debt plus saving plus investing equals the ability to give. This is how the Corinthians thought. But gospel economics is a different kind of math. It's the kind that the Macedonians did. For them, severe persecution plus rock-bottom poverty plus overwhelming joy equaled outrageous generosity. My second mother, Forrest Harrison, understands gospel economics. Being a widow for over 20 years, raising two boys on a nurse's salary, and the charity and the love of her own family and her church family, having her home wiped out by a southern Texas hurricane, but knowing the unremarkable joy that comes in the grace, the chorus of God says, I'm blessed to live a life of overflow. 
And the Macedonians begged and pleaded with Paul and his companions for the privilege, the charis, to participate. So in his letter, Paul invites the Corinthians to match the charis of the Macedonians to help the Jerusalem church out. In other words, he invites them to share charis in tangible ways by giving money. All pastors give money talks. In fact, some are highly criticized for it, but 2 Corinthians 8 is not Paul's money talk. It's actually Paul's grace talk, his charis talk, because he frames the whole thing for the Corinthians around the charis or the grace story that changed their lives. You know, he says, the charis grace story of our Lord Jesus Christ is that though he was rich, he became poor for you, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. So the question becomes, what do we do with all this charis, this grace that has been afforded? You have given, you have given all, you have given all, so we give all. Thank you for being the through us, fill the empty. Thank you for bodies. This week, we invite you to make a chorus list. So many of us are entrapped in a work-spend-work cycle, but making a chorus list actually invites us into something new and more freeing. It's the grace-received, grace-given, grace-received cycle. You are blessed to live a life of overflow. So this week, take some time with your Bible. Reflect over this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And with a pen and journal in hand, answer these questions. What are the gifts, the gifts of grace that you have received without any expectation of giving something in return? When have you been forgiven? When has charist action happened in you by someone when you didn't deserve it? And when has somebody been lavishly generous to you in your time of need? How? Because charist has been afforded to you. Because Jesus has been the very best neighbor to you. Is God asking you to do this? Friends, know that God's love is chorus to our wounded lives. And in God's good chorus, God desires to take us out of our old selfish patterns and habits of behavior to heal us, to free us, and to shape us into new humans. May God's grace, may God's gifts, may God's forgiveness, may God's generosity, may God's chorus be real to you today so that you might share God's chorus with others. Grace and peace to you this week. Amen.